Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. feel what I feel? <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost. Mm. Well, let's just marinate a little bit here. Sunbathe. S-O-N. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit told me this morning when I was shaving, He said, uh, <laughs> He said, don't be in a rush. He says, don't be in a rush. He says, if I want to continue repentance and refreshing for two years, don't you push it. If I want to soak and sweeten my people and my presence as long as I want, don't you push it out of it. Because <laughs> a lot of us are entertainment minded, you know, because of our culture. You know, you see one movie, you want to see the, it was, where's the sequel, you know? You know what I'm saying? We just let's just sweeten it a little bit. Oh, it's wonderful. Whew. I mean, I'm satisfied. This all this is all there is for the next two years. I'm satisfied. I mean, we know there's more. <laughs> but we got to be content with whatever circumstance we're in. Hallelujah! But if you're not content, you'll be frustrated. And you get striving and try to make something to happen. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your presence. Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you for last night. We thank you for the, the groanings, the intimacy of your spirit within us. Longing for more of you, Jesus. We thank you for the epidural last night. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you for that time of sweet intimacy and refreshing with you, Father. And this is a new day, Father. Fill us with fresh oil. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I was very blessed to get wired up in the back, and I heard you guys singing those songs, and um, I told pastor, I said, they're preaching my message already. <laughs> He's the mighty one of Israel, hallelujah. The desert shall blossom and rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. Acts chapter 3. 
In verse 19, Peter, this is Peter's second sermon. Why don't we go ahead and start at verse 11. This is powerful. Talking about healing the lame beggar. I know pastor preaching this a few Sundays ago. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them, the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Jacob, hallelujah, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God has raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith, hallelujah, in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Messiah or Christ should suffer, has thus been fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and return. Hallelujah. Repent, therefore, and return. Repent means to change your mind. You go in one direction, you switch, and go a totally different direction. Hallelujah. And return that your sins may be wiped away. In order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we could say that the more we repent and change and turn to the Lord, the more refreshing will come. Hallelujah. That's something I like to live with the rest of my life. That he may send Jesus, the Messiah, appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. The restoration of all things is speaking of all the Old Testament prophecies. All of creation is waiting for this to happen. Amen? Hallelujah. And so the key to bring back, to trigger the Lord's return is repentance. (laughs) Hallelujah. Repentance. I used to be scared of that term. You know why? Because I heard preachers would use that term and just cut me open from, they just make mince hamburger meat out of me. But they never would allow the refreshing times of the Lord to come. The Spirit spoke to me two years ago when we began this ministry. He said, Son, when I give you a message and you're dealing with people's sins, and my presence, actually my word, is cutting them open from, you know, from their sternum to their belly button. He says, before that meeting is over, you make sure to sew them back up with the joy of the Lord. Because the letter will kill. And I've, you know, I've heard preachers, you know, and I'm not going to mention names, I mean, they're doomsdayers, and they preach a, a strong message of repentance, and they're against the faith message. And, you know, 
And I, I, I agree with a lot of things they're saying, but I don't like what I see after what they say. They're miserable. There's no joy. I mean, I'm not into, you know, self-flagellation. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean, I want to repent. But what spurs me on to repentance is His refreshing, His love. Constantly just soothing me. Bring me to a deeper realm. Hallelujah. Amen? We've all been around enough bully pulpits. Amen? It's time that the presence of the Lord comes in strong measure. Hallelujah. Are you all out there this morning? Do we need to run around the building a few times? To awake? Or are you just sedated in the presence of the Lord? I think you're sedated. That's what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm excited about this because as we were singing this morning, I began to cry. Because as turn my morning into dancing, that's from Jeremiah. I began to cry because I began to feel the same presence of the Lord I used to feel when I was in the synagogue as a kid. See, the message came to the Jewish people. The majority of the Jewish people rejected it, which was God's plan, and it sprung out to all the nations. But guess what? It's making full circle coming back to Jerusalem now. I believe we're on the final lap, corner. We're coming down the stretch. Hallelujah. Right now, there's more Jewish believers in Israel than ever before in all of history. It's incredible what's happening in Israel. <clears throat> I spoke to a Canadian fellow named, he was asking some things about the shofar and what had happened, and we were talking about that new book he'd written. You know, I, I don't agree with everything he publishes, but I think he publishes a lot of good stuff, you know. I don't agree with it all. Uh, one reason why is because... I don't want to get into this. <laughs> I might as well. <laughs> Just because you see something Jewish doesn't mean it's scriptural. That's true. Up until, and that's the problem with a lot of people, they fall in love with Israel and the Jewish things, and they start, you know, they want to, they have a love for Israel, a love for the Jewish people, they want to learn the Jewish roots of their faith, and they start lighting Shabbat candles, you know, because they see that happening in the synagogue, and they think that's scriptural. Well, actually, what's happening is that they're, they're asking for, it's from Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, they're asking for the queen of the Sabbath to come in. I don't want no Jezebel in my house. <laughs> and so believers think these things are scriptural. <clears throat> they're not scriptural. See, there's two phases of Judaism. There's the Old Testament Judaism, up until the temple was destroyed. But after the temple was destroyed, there was no more biblical Judaism. What we have today is called rabbinical Judaism. Yeah. It's the religion of the rabbis who rejected the claims of Jesus. Yeah. No more temple, all these Messianic Jews running around, so the rabbis who rejected came up with a new system of regulations and rules called the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Gemara, and that's really newer than the New Testament. New Testament's an older book than rabbinical Judaism. Does that help anybody here? Yeah. And God can only honor His Word. So the traditions and things taken out of rabbinical Judaism, people put those things on and want to be a Jewish expression or learn more about their faith. God can't bless that stuff. Really can't. And so, he's a good brother. I'm not trashing anybody, okay? I understand we had to speak to him about 10 years ago because he wrote some things in one of his books about the Messiah. And he was quoting from the Talmud. And <clears throat> we had to call him up and say, Brother, you're wrong. <laughs> You can't be spreading that stuff. And we had to tell them, you know, some things. And everything in the Talmud is scriptural. 
and uh, he received it. So anyway, we, we talked again on the telephone, and he was telling me a, a story about a Canadian woman who was in Jerusalem that was at the Jaffa Gate. And um, she was there, and she was, you know, talking about some things, and then suddenly this rabbi walks up to her and says, your name is so-and-so. And she goes, well, how did you know? And, and second goes, the Lord also showed me that you're going to be having a healing ministry in the future. She goes, well, how did you know that? That's something that God's told me that many years ago. And he goes, I want you to come with me. So the rabbi invited him, her to this Mea Shireen, which is an ultra-Hasidic neighborhood in Jerusalem. And she met several uh, newly saved rabbis. There's a whole small group of rabbis who have just got saved in Israel. And they're undercover right now. There's not yet for them to come forward. Hallelujah. So we're getting very close, folks. I mean, Jeremiah 16 says, when you see the Jews coming out of the north, the lands of the north, directly north of Jerusalem is Moscow. The lands of the north, and from all the countries where I banished him, we're getting ready for the restoration of all things. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just to let you know about our ministry, you know, God's told us to travel and encourage and strengthen the local church, but we're also going back to Israel one day. Hallelujah. And... Uh, Cause some havoc. <laughs> My, I, really, well, all I desire to do is go there and get Palestinians and Israelis drunk in the spirit, start loving one another. Yeah. That to me would be. But there's different groups cropping up right now in Israel, and uh, uh, it's exciting. It's very exciting what's happening in Israel. We don't have time to talk about that today. Anyway, it's moving right along here. It says Jesus appointed to you, verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things. Hallelujah. A lot has been written on eschatology. The apocalyptic grand finale in these last days. There's so many books, so many diverse opinions in the body of Christ. And you know, I'm the kind of guy, bottom line type guy. Lord, how can I... I mean, if you want me to plant trees in Israel, I mean, I'll do it then. If you want me to pay for Russian Jews to come out of Russia on the wings of Eagle Ministry and get them into Israel, and that's going to speed up your coming, well, I'll do it. I believe all those things, however, are secondary. I believe the number one thing we can do to prepare for the Lord's return is repent and return. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. 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 This is exciting stuff. Amen. A powerful message of repentance is found in Isaiah chapter 40. Let's turn to that. Isaiah 40. This is a win-win situation. We repent and we get drenched in the anointing. We get marinated and sweetened in His presence. And then He shows us something else a few days later and we repent and get refreshed again. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40 and verse 1, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground become a plain. Let the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then 
And only then, after that prerequisite, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all flesh will see it together. All this region will see it and know it and have to make a decision. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice calls, says, call out. And he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. And all that's loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. In these meetings, the breath of the Lord is blowing upon us. And he's drying up everything that we used to flourish in. He's showing us that nothing matters except what is done according to the word of God for Jesus. All other pursuits and hobbies and innocent amusements. One of the greatest um, problems to revival is innocent amusements. There's a book. I don't know if you guys can get it from your bookstore. It's by Charles G. Finney. Revival Lectures. Revival Lectures, yeah. And it's, there's, a, there's a sermon there called Innocent Amusements. Yeah. Tremendous, folks. Tremendous. I mean, I read it. I didn't like it. I put it on the shelf for eight years. Because I wanted to keep doing the things I was doing. I thought I was, I was okay. That thing cut too deep. But now with this joy in the presence of the Lord, I want to read stuff like that now. I want to have the scalpel of the Lord go deeper than ever before. Innocent amusements. He said that's the greatest hindrance to revival is innocent amusements. Neutral pleasures and amusements. Ho! So I believe the Lord is blowing upon us and showing us how short our lifespan really is. 80 or 90 years is just a puff of smoke compared to eternity. Amen? And I want to redeem the time in this hour. I want to stir myself up. Amen? Hallelujah. It says here, the glory of the Lord will be revealed, verse 5. When will the glory of the Lord be revealed? When every mountain is brought low and every rugged valley brought up. God is humbling our hearts in this hour. Every mountain of pride is being pushed down. And every area of scar tissue or hurt, He's raising up in our hearts, healing us. And when that equilibrium is met, a highway prepared for our God. And what's the highway? Do we run out there in Saskatoon, right up in the wilderness, and build a landing strip? No. <laughs> Saskatchewan, excuse me. No, it's our heart. It's all about the heart. <clears throat> Brother Jim, his field, they've been plowing it for two years. Two years. Are you all ready to keep doing this for two years if you have to? Yeah. I am. Yeah. Why not? Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. Verse 9, get yourself upon a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Oh, hallelujah. And you keep on reading about all these powerful things God's going to do, His greatness. I like to lead us over to verse 28 and talk about this morning's message God put on my heart. Hallelujah. Do you not know, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. 
Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Um, the key in this hour is finding a place, the secret place of the Most High. The Lord told us wherever we go, He says, Son, I want you to teach my people how to find my presence in between meetings. Like on a Monday morning, Wednesday afternoon, out of a corporate setting. The strength is that we can get people in the presence of God, in the secret place, in their daily schedule, before they come to services. That's the key right there. And church will not just be a first aid center, it'll then become a revival, Holy Ghost habitation place. Where you get your counseling and your direction and your healing, whatever you need, on your own. Amen? Yeah. And then we come together for an explosion. Praise the Lord. The word here, to wait upon the Lord, verse 31, means to wait. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, the Hebrew is tikvah. <laughs> it means to wait upon God. We don't like to wait, do we? We're starting to learn how to wait. We're in a microwave society. I want it now. I can't wait. Give me a drive in. We don't have time to fix it. Go ahead and order pizza. Hurry up. It's 30 minutes up. What are you doing? Hurry up and get here. Those things are not the realm of the Holy Ghost. Another way to help, help you with this word wait, it's the word tikvah, which means to eagerly anticipate. Some of your translations may say hope. Those who hope in the Lord. It's the same idea. <clears throat> to eagerly anticipate something. You're not waiting in some, some mystical place and get spooky and you're... You're just... It's some meditation technique. Give me a break. It has nothing to do with that. To wait upon the Lord is to eagerly anticipate Him to speak to your heart. You're not coming there just being still and getting bored. There is a heart attitude where you're just like a little bird opening its mouth as you hear the mother bird coming with a worm. You're just like, ah. There's an anticipation best way to describe it I could think in the natural was watching those thoroughbreds in the gate and they're just waiting for and the gates to open boom they're off Whew. there's a, an eager anticipation and with that eager anticipation with everything focused on the Lord he is able to refresh you and renew you hallelujah but the problem is in our society is that finding the place to do it If the early rain came because they waited at Pentecost, the latter rain will come in like manner. For 50 days, they tarried or waited or eagerly anticipating what Jesus promised. Hallelujah. See how much God will be pleased with us as we continue to wait upon Him. Hallelujah. Not on the basis of seeing Jesus, but just on the basis of His written word. Saying, Lord, here we are. We've read this before, let's read it again. Habakkuk. 
Just find Habakkuk here. Right after Nahum and before Zephaniah. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. We've studied this before, but it's worth repenting. Amen? Habakkuk 2 and verse 1. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. So here the prophet, God's told him something's about to happen in Israel. And he stations himself to hear the Lord. And he's waiting to be, receive instruction, reproof, or rebuke. Not a lovely sugar-coated prophecy. <laughs> oh, thou my belovest, thou lovest thou, and thou lovest, and thou lovest thou, forever lovest us, forever I'll be with thouest. <laughs> <sighs> How about a word, you need to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Oh. Or you need to give an offering larger. Add a couple zeros to it. And if we don't pass those times of testing when his word comes to reprove us, he has to bring his full cycle back to that again. If you don't pass algebra, you can't get to trigonometry. You have to get back to it. Amen? Hallelujah! And after the reproof, the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision, inscribe it on the tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens towards the goal. It will, it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. To wait for what God's about to do in your church, in this region, is not for us to have services and then go off our daily lifestyle and keep doing what we're doing and come back to services and keep doing what we're doing. There has to be a change, an eager anticipation during our daily lifestyles. During the time that we're up in the morning when nobody's around, when we're driving our automobile, there has to be, like a pastor was saying, we've got to stir ourselves up. Woo! <clears throat> On the way here this morning, I was just going, Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I don't need to listen to the radio. Just driving down the road. Hey guys, that was a powerful service last night. Glad you were there. Talking to the angels, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. What will keep us from waiting upon the Lord is pride, self-sufficiency. The self-sufficiency of the human soul. I encourage you to get the book by Frank Bartleman. Um, Another Wave of Revival. Um, it's from Whitaker House, probably about seven dollars Canadian um, tremendous book he was the like a prophet or intercessor 
for the Azusa Street Revival. And he speaks about in those meetings how, in the first meetings before they flaked off, the first part of the meetings how there was like, it was like a crushing center. People would come in, especially preachers, and they had the most, you know, the most good works, you know. <laughs> and they were the ones that got crushed the strongest were the ministers. Whoa, hallelujah. And then he talks about in there, oh, the climax of self-abandonment. Now, I've had that book, our pastor, Billy Joe Doherty, 10 years ago, bought the book and gave out 5,000 of them to everybody in the congregation. He said, everybody needs to read this book. And I read that book, and it was two hard words. And I closed it. And I had it on my shelf until recently. I opened it back up, and I read that. The climax of self-abandonment. <laughs> I'm starting to understand what he's talking about now. Where you take the total bungee jump and there's no cord around your leg. The free fall. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Where you give totally everything for him. And then he comes in return and just fills you with his glory. Hallelujah. That was the key to the beginnings of those meetings. And it's with a proud one. It's not going to happen with the proud. I believe this revival has come to keep the proud out and let the simple enter in. Did you know that we read it before in Matthew? It says that Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Spirit. He said, Father, I thank you. You've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to the babes. Thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. You know, faith pleases God. You know what else pleases God? To cause the proud to stumble. The cleverness of the clever I'll set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? Hello, foolish. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about having a defeatist attitude and some stupid, you know, poverty mentality. I'm talking about just knowing that you're nothing without Him. Hallelujah. Frank Bartleman also said in his book, he said that every new wave of revival comes in and the old wave is going out is where all the turbulence happens. The greatest resistance to the new wave coming in is the old wave going out. Throughout church history, we see that. And I don't want to be part of the old wave. I want to catch that next one that's coming in. Hallelujah. Then it says, His soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Hallelujah. What is the vision? The vision is verse 13 and 14. This is the vision that we're running for, my brothers and sisters. Is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that, that peoples toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing? Young people, listen to me. I've made a decision to go both guns a-blazing for Jesus. What gave me that decision was my former pastor, Billy Joe Doherty, in 1982 described a vision that he had. 
He was an Arkansas quarterback, and he was at a state college. And the Lord, he was, he was a, a, a quarterback. Hey, okay, going back there. And he had his helmet on, and they were running drills. And suddenly he had a vision. The whole football field disappeared. He was a new Christian, just got saved. And the whole football field disappeared. And he saw his life, two paths he could take with his life. The one path was to keep on doing what he was. He's an academic scholarship, keep playing football. He saw his life. He'd married Sharon. They were dating at that time. He would get a job, climb the corporate ladder, have kids, pay their way through school. And at the end of his life, he was a Christian the whole time now, at the end of his life, he would buy a boat and a cabin on a lake and retire. And then he would die and go to heaven. And all that hard work he couldn't take with him to heaven. And then he saw his life go a different direction, where he would marry Sharon, but if he would continue, quit playing football and go to Old Roberts University and give his life to the ministry, that at, on the way throughout the end of his life, he would have those things, possessions, a boat and a cabin. But when he gets at the end of his life and looks back when he dies, that all he'll be taking to heaven is all the people that he touched. Yeah. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. And he was just weeping and snot rolling out of his mouth. <laughs> He says, God, I'll do it. And he said, that's it. Left, walked away from athletic scholarship. And hallelujah. Powerful church. I made a decision when I was a teenager. I was 18, I was 20, 21 years old. I made that decision when I heard him preach that. And I encourage, there's a lot of young people here today. I encourage you, make the decision. Hallelujah. Life is short. Glory to God. Don't live for yourself. Live for the Master. Live for the Master. There'll be a time of testing when you, have, when you step out like that. You will understand what's going on. But hey, testings are good. One of the best things you could ever have is a red-hot trial. When we find out where the rubber meets the road. Separates the men from the boys. Amen? Hallelujah. God will test you. For your good. And this is, well, verse 13, the nations grow weary for nothing. I say that because in New York City, I saw what I believe is the epicenter of our culture of materialism. The fashion industry, entertainment industry, Wall Street, everything's there in New York City. And I would see Jewish executives making six-figure incomes coming off the train at night, totally in their thousand-dollar suits, totally exhausted. They would get home on the train at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and have enough time to kiss their kids goodnight and then have to get up again at 4.30 in the morning, catch a train into Manhattan, and the rat race over and over. It became, their homes were just a bedroom community. That's all it was. They wonder why their kids rebelled and went off. <laughs> and I see the pressure put upon couples today to try to keep up with the Joneses. That's why I'm, I don't let my wife work. You should believe God, man, that your, your wife should be at home. Well, I just decided to break the cycle of my family. My father was a very successful attorney. and I mean, he got really upset when I decided not to go to Cornell University instead of Roberts University. Man, that was betrayal, but I've decided 
better serve Jesus than this material of Jewish materialism. People say, well, I just wish I had a little of that Jewish anointing. <laughs> At the end of your life, you'll look back, and all that will pass through the fire is what was done for Christ. And then you have all of eternity to live with what you did here. It says verse 14, For the earth will be filled... Not just a little visitation, not just a, a little fog bank come in, but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the vision in this hour. I'd like to speak with you about verse 4, about having a desert experience with the Lord. If you notice, the glory of God would appear in the desert, Isaiah 40. Turn to Mark chapter 1 now. Keep in mind the just shall live by faith. I'd like to share something with you from Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The word wilderness, you can write this down, there's a teaching anointing here this morning, so we'll just flow with it. Wilderness is the Greek word eremos. Eremos, E-R-M-O-S, means an uninhabited region. A desolate place. It doesn't mean like the Canadian wilderness. It's a different idea. It's a desolate, sparsely inhabited, unfit for any type of cultivation or even ranging sheep or goats. It is the midbar in Hebrew. It is no man's land. Hallelujah. And that's where he appeared. And that's where the glory of the Lord is going to appear. The same place. Isaiah 40 says. Notice it wasn't in Jerusalem John was preaching. It was in the desolate regions. And how many people have not been to Israel? Not, have not been to Israel. Whoa, you need to go. When you go, it just goes. It's like, I see it now. Hallelujah. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. All the common people were coming out, not the religious leaders. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locust and wild honey. And he was preaching, saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Before God does something new, He sends people in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. There's many ministers right now in the spirit of Elijah preaching a baptism of repentance. And it's God, folks, I'm telling you. We need to change, 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 change. Hallelujah. And God's about to do something very powerful. 
The key here, verse 8, says, I will baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. For those who have not been here before, the word baptism there is the Greek word baptismo, which means full submersion. <laughs> not a little sprinkle, not a little yabba-dabba-do will do, but a full submersion. The first time this word baptismo was used in the Greek language was used in a cooking recipe. A man on an old piece of parchment was describing in a recipe how to change cucumbers into pickles. Vinegar and water solution. And so, you already know this, but, but he will pickle you with the Holy Ghost. The key is to stay under. And that's what these meetings are all about. Amen? Just staying under the presence of the Lord. This is wonderful. Until your whole countenance changed. I mentioned it last night when I was back there somewhere. I said metamorphosis. Remember that last night? I said metamorphosis. That's the word. You know, it says be, you know, be renewed. In this, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, renew your mind. The word renew there is the Greek word metamorphosis. From an ugly caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. And we're being changed, metamorphosized from glory to glory. Hallelujah. That's why you need to be in meetings a lot. Because we get changed here. Hallelujah. The sunlight of His presence comes and we change, we grow, we germinate. Hallelujah. There's a cocoon of His peace here even now. Hallelujah. Don't you, you, know, you love being in God's presence and you walk out the doors you go, Ugh, I'm back in this fallen world again. Ugh. You go back to church a little more. <laughs> I would just love to sleep here all night last night. I don't know if you I don't know if your nurseries are prepared, but in Montreal they had sleeping blankets and pillows for kids. They had all the children's department all set up for the kids to sleep. That's why we can go all night. We didn't have to wear out the children's workers, you know, just put the kids all to sleep. Oh, I, I tell you, in the wee hours of the morning, like three, four o'clock in the morning, and right when you're saying, Ooh. And you're like drenched in sweat because you've been worshiping God all night. You know, the French are really emotional. <laughs> They're passionate. And, and you're like, man, I need to get home. Man. I'm tired. All of a sudden, whoosh, another wave of glory would come, stronger than anything in the earlier evening hours. Be prepared in meetings ahead. He saves the best wine for last. Those are the times that become watershed moments in your life. You know what I'm saying? Where you can always remember. I remember when God visited me that night. And that's what we endeavor. The elders here, everybody. We, we want everybody here to have a watershed experience with the Holy Ghost. He'll pilker you with the Holy Ghost. It came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, verse 9, and was pickled by John in the Jordan. <laughs> and immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, and me I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit impelled him to go into the Midbar, or the Eremos, the wilderness. 
Another phase of being pickled by the Holy Ghost. Be prepared in the days ahead for the Spirit to lead you into, into testings and trials. See, a lot of us have been filled with the Spirit, like Jesus was. But we haven't been led by the Spirit into testing. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and then led by the Spirit, and then He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And we want the power, amen? And we need the power, because Pastor and Tracy, we all went to the streets, and we, we need the power out there, folks. I know it. We have a generation of kids that are just seared in their conscience that know nothing. And how can we get that power for that street evangelism? By letting the Spirit drive us into testing? Immediately the Spirit impelled him. The word impelled or led is the word ikbalo in the Greek. Ikbalo means to drive. Let me give you the idea of the force involved. Jesus said, in my name you'll cast out demons. The cast out is the word ikbalo. So there's two ikbalos. We cast out devils, tormenting people. Amen? But we're also cast out by the Spirit into testings. It's the same Spirit. This is not a tiptoe to the tulips. Come on, my darling, I'll show you. Son, go and deal with your flesh. And if you don't deal with it, I'll put you in circumstances that make you deal with it, because I love you. So I want to fall on the rock, lest the rock fall on me. When the Lord says to me, I want you to do this, I want to obey him now instead of a full circle, another round around the mountain again. Amen? It's all about us. It's all about our obedience. It really is. It's all about how quick are we going to obey him? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And being cast out by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels were ministering to him. I like that idea. Ministering spirits sent forth the ministers of their salvation. Could it be that the ministering spirits really go in full operation when you're being led by the Spirit to be tested? You know, Hebrews 1.14, they not all ministering spirit for, sent forth to minister for the heirs of salvation. That's when they kick in. You should pray for a red-hot trial. <laughs> Let's get it over with, amen? I don't want to go in this desert for another 40 years. Lord, just do what it takes. And I'm not talking about poverty. I'm not talking about car wrecks and the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not talking about stupidity. Amen? I'm talking about character changing. Hallelujah. That's what I appreciate about Coach when I was watching all those young kids practicing at the basketball camp. That he's more concerned about their character than being good players. If he can get their attitude right, make him a mighty force. That's why you guys got the banners on the walls over there. <laughs> you probably played against high schools that are much bigger kids, you know. But they had, the kids were rebellious probably, had attitudes. Didn't work as a team. Oh, there's so much to talk about here. It goes on in verse 14, After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. <laughs> I like what I wrote down here out of the Greek. It says, 
To repent and believe is not at all an invitation, but an absolute command requiring full obedience on the part of all those who hear. An absolute command of the Lord. Repent. And I'll tell you the truth, I came from Tulsa, and I got the cart ahead of the horse. I was trying to believe and have faith without repenting. Yeah. I was confessing all the things that I had learned, but I wasn't repenting. And so now you take that message and you combine it with repentance. The oil and vinegar, hallelujah, and get pickled by the Holy Ghost. And there's no telling what kind of Holy Ghost flamethrower is going to come out of here. Napalm runners, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's exciting. He was going along by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me. Again, an absolute command, an imperative. And I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'd like to move now to verse 33 of chapter 1. The whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill of various diseases, and cast out, Iqbalo, drove out many demons, and was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And verse 35, early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. We're now going to funnel the message into the secret place. The key, the position in our culture, how to have a visitation of God in between services. Hallelujah. Now, the surface reading of this text shows that he departed to a lonely place and was praying there. I've always wondered where that lonely place was until I looked it up in the Greek. It's the Greek word eremos. It's the same place that he was tested. I thought once Jesus was finished in the testings, that he never returned back to that battleground. Do you know what? He returned back there to commune with the Father. Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, returned back to the uninhabited desert regions to spend time with the Father. Hallelujah. You'll notice Jesus' lifestyle before he chose the twelve, before he uh, fed the five thousand, before he even walked on the water. He was spending the whole night in prayer. We would depart to a lonely place and pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To find a quiet place. You got a lot of quiet places out here, folks. Drive just a few kilometers north, man. You'd be out there, go in the middle of a wheat field somewhere. Nobody can hear you re out there. Hallelujah. To make it into a lifestyle. Eremos, I wrote this down in my Bible, it means this. Eremos means a desert wilderness that is desolate, solitary, and uninhabited. The Lord told me to speak on this this morning because He wants to cause your desert to blossom and rejoice. That's what they were singing about this morning. That's what the Lord dropped in my heart this morning to share this. You've got to find a solitary place in your lifestyle. Away from the cell phone, 
away from the beeper and the pager, away from the computer keyboard. And really the best time to do it, you're going to be able to find to do it, is early in the morning. To get away to a place where you know nobody ever goes to. A solitary place. And all you hear is the wind. Maybe a few geese every once in a while. And you just worship Him. If you look at when God get ready to do something new, he always led people that were, first what he did is when God gets ready to do something powerful, he brings a hunger and thirst into his people's hearts. He then sends people with a prophetic message in the spirit of Elijah, telling them there's change coming, etc., etc. And this causes people to get hungry and desperate for God. It causes people to start to separate themselves from the legitimate pleasures of life and press into the master. That's what we're the stage we're at right now, because God's getting ready to do something. To facilitate that, you've got to find a solitary place. You've got to find a prayer cubicle. I mean, I've had the idea of, you know, buying one of those music, you know, those telephone booths, you know. At ORU, they had a, a trumpet player who could play in one booth and nobody could hear him or soundproof, you know. And <laughs> violin player just learned how to play could play and they couldn't hear each other I'd love to have one of those you know just sink into my backyard you know and just I couldn't hear anybody nobody could hear me and just spend seasons of time waiting upon the Lord Jesus did this in the beginning of his ministry and throughout his ministry Moses, where was Moses when the glory of God appeared to him in the, in the burning bush? In the backside of the desert. Nowhere. Where did Elijah go and hear the still small voice after he ran from Jezebel? In the desert. Hallelujah. Where was Elijah when he was taken up into heaven and Elisha got the double portion? In the desert. He was in the Transjordan, the desert. See, I really believe that the monks are 50% right. They found a solitary place to spend time with God. But the problem is they didn't go back and help the people in the city. They stayed there. And I believe what's happened in our culture, here in my heart now, that we become so missions and, and almost works oriented to reach the lost that we've almost lost that sweet, sweet intimacy with the Lord. Hear me now. I didn't hear any amens out there. You can get so busy working for the Lord as you don't separate yourself for times and seasons. And that's the key. That's the biblical cord of our relationship. Hallelujah. It's not a popular message, but it needs to be preached. <laughs> because that's where we're going to be changed is by His presence. Mark, uh, Galatians chapter 1. Let's tie together now <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, what happened to him when he got saved and filled the Holy Ghost. Verse 11, 
Well, let's, I, like verse, um, I like verse 10 of chapter 1 of Galatians. <clears throat> For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God. If I'm striving to please men, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be the bondservant of Christ. For would you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man? For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and try to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being much more extremely zealous for my ancestral trans traditions. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, whoo, hallelujah, that I might preach him among the nations, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to the boys up there. <laughs> but I went away to Arabia and returned once again to Damascus. Guess what the word Arabia there is? Eremos. <laughs> you know, this revival anointing brings the word into new light. Paul knew that to fulfill the call that he had, he had to separate himself like Moses did, like Elijah did, like David. We read about David yesterday, Psalm 63, or last night, excuse me. David was in the desert. You know what made David king of Israel? He learned how to shepherd the sheep in the desert. David, if you read, I counted it once. He wrote over 70 psalms, 150 psalms. He wrote over 70 of them. David, where'd he get them? Out there in the Aramos. Adonai Roe. Adonai Roe. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And by the still waters is where he restores my mind, will, and emotions. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. I like the valley of the shadow of death. I really do. It's talking about departing to be with Jesus, but it's also about daily dying, you know. That place where you grin and bear it and just repent and leave that thing behind and go on. Hallelujah. Paul went to the Eremos. And returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem. We don't know how long he was there. Of this 14-year span, Paul spent a lot of time in Arabia. Arabia was a modern term for the Hebrew word Midbar. Paul may have spent time at Qumran, that area. Um, there's a whole lots of new discoveries coming out of the Qumran community. Uh, that it was a, not really a monastic community as they thought it was before, but it's really it was a refueling center. People left all the corruption in Jerusalem, came down into the Dead Sea area to spend time with the Lord. <laughs> That's what it was. We don't know for exactly, but Paul knew he had to get away from everybody 
and spend time with God. Hallelujah. I challenge you, next time a vacation comes up, don't go to Florida. There's nothing down there. I mean, I live there. It's nothing big. Instead, go get a cottage somewhere or a cabin. Better yet, ooh, this is a great area. Fly in to the lakes up north. But don't go fishing. Maybe you can fish a little bit. <laughs> but go there, you know, with a, and just tell the pilot, just don't get me till next week. That will be the watershed experience for your life. It goes on here and talks about in Galatians. Oh, this is so good. Galatians 3 and verse 11. We'll start to wrap this up. Verse 11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. Where, where do we just read that from? Habakkuk, right. Could it be that Paul got the revelation of the entire New Testament by stationing himself on the rampart in a desert region and waiting upon the Lord? Because it says he received the revelation not from flesh and blood. If you look at this scripture, the just shall live by faith, this is the key text throughout the entire New Testament. Romans chapter 1, uh, Hebrews 10, and Galatians 3. Hallelujah, this is the word of faith which we preach. And where did it come out of? Adonai Rui. Waiting in a solitary place. Can I keep going? Is that all right? I just want the Lord just... I've, now, I've shared this before, but it's good to repeat it again, okay? I want to share with you now how faith comes. Briefly. There's some people here who have never heard this before. This is from a different angle, okay? So here it is. You get a hunger for God. You begin to repent. You begin to separate yourself from legitimate pleasures of life and get hungry. You find a solitary place and start waiting on God. With an eager anticipation. You start getting renewed in your strength. Then God starts downloading special things into your heart. Romans 10, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, right? Yeah. Now, the just shall live by faith. How does faith come? But by hearing the word. The word in Greek is rhema. It means the spoken word. There's two words for word. One is logos. Stay with me now, folks. This is going to bless you. Let me just, I have to go through this because people haven't heard this before. There's logos and there's rhema. Logos is Jesus himself. Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Logos means the eternal counsel of God in the heavens. It also means something that's written on a piece of paper. But it necessarily, it really means the counsel of God that we do not understand. Amen? The rabbis before Jesus came, they were trying to figure out how can God, whose counsel is so holy, communicate to man who's so sinful. And they came up with a, a phrase called Mimrah, which means the spoken word. That God was going to send his spoken word. They're so close, I tell you, they're so close. They just need a little redirectioning. And that's, of course, what Rhema is. Rhema is, here's the eternal counsel of God in the heavens. And God speaks out of that eternal counsel in a capsule form called Rhema. Hallelujah, to our hearts. And that's when faith comes.
Look at Luke chapter 1. Here's a great example of the virgin birth. It's all going to tie into the desert experience now. <laughs> Luke 1, verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you can call his name Yeshua, or Jesus. He'll be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Think about this. How is God going to do the impossibilities here in Saskatoon? We think God just all of a sudden appears and does something on his own. Per no, he, he, he does it in union with his body. Amen? So the Lord's really dependent on hearts. He's looking for right now to and fro for somebody's heart who's completely his. They may show himself strong. Hallelujah. In verse 37, nothing will be impossible of God. The actual Greek is not any raiment from God is void of power. So the impossibilities of God are now transferred to the word rhema. Now let's dissect this real quick. It says the Holy Spirit, verse 35, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This word here in Hebrew is merechefet, which means to hover. Remember in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God hovered, merechefeted over the face of the deep, and then God spoke, let there be light. So God spoke a rhema, and the Holy Ghost who was hovering is the one who fulfilled it. So when you go into a desert solitary experience, and you allow the Holy Ghost to come and hover over you, then the Lord will speak a watershed word to you, and boom. The key is to position yourself. The secret place is not a location, it's a positioning. If you just could find a solitary place every day, and you begin to worship the Lord and His presence comes like it did last night, well, I feel it right now also. That's all it takes, folks. I'm glad you don't have a dove on your pulpit here. <laughs> You know where it says the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove? He's not a bird, folks. Like a dove. The writer is trying to describe Merechefet. Merechefet means also a bird hovering over its nest. Jesus was in the river, came out, and the Spirit hovered over him. And the Spirit wants to hover over you if you'll let him. He's a perfect gentleman. You just got to make the time. That's all. 
And what happens through repentance is when we repent and you become endeared to the Lord, your heart becomes a uterus membrane ready to receive a rhema implantation. So for God to do impossibilities in Saskatoon, he's looking for somebody's heart who is a receptive uterus membrane wall that he can implant his rhema into. <laughs> it's so simple. I'm getting drunk again. Makes me just want to stop the meeting and go pray. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your rhema. And with her mouth, confession was made to salvation. With her mouth, conception happened. That's when Jesus was conceived right then. This is how we can run with the vision this hour. I know in my, all my heart, folks, that the Holy Ghost is going to get ready to visit planet Earth like we've never seen it before. And I don't even know how he's going to do it. I didn't, all I know is big. Big. That's what rings in my spirit right now. Big. God is getting ready to do something big. And he's looking for men and women who fear God. And he's getting us to a place of repentance where we can soften our hearts to receive implantations of rhema. And the rhemas will come in the wee hours of the morning. Maybe an angel will appear to you. How many times did the Holy Ghost woken you up at 4.30 in the morning, you know it was Him, and you went, ah, oh, and went back to sleep? He's trying to cross-pollinate you there. I've learned by experience, and I want to share this with you. When He wakes you up before your alarm gets off, get up. And the biggest hindrance is your mind saying, no, I need that extra hour of sleep. No, you don't. You need to get under his wings where he can merechef at you before the kids get up in the morning. Who? Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, we just give you an opportunity now before we do our daily chores or errands we have to do today. Merechef it over us now, Lord. Come and hover. There's such a sweet presence of the Lord here. It's wonderful. Wonderful. <clears throat> Peradventure, is anybody here this morning does not know Jesus? Perhaps you're visiting. I see some people I haven't seen before. <clears throat> I just want to make sure that nobody gets left out. You're here today and you do not know Jesus. Or perhaps your heart has been very hard and you haven't been following his ways. And you'd like to give your life to Jesus today. And you would like prayer to accept the Lord. Lift your hand up high.
thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www. Dot flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. Looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom.